welcome to Get Fruitful Conversations. I'm your host, Anwen Cooper, and if you're interested in growing a passion-fueled, purpose-driven enterprise and believe that business can be a force for greater good, then this is the podcast for you. Each episode, I'll be talking with inspiring entrepreneurs and inviting them to share how they're pioneering new ways of working to create more prosperity and positive impact for people and the planet. We'll be bringing you fresh insight and practical actions to generate more income and impact through your own business. Our purpose is to give you new perspectives on how to align your vision to a bigger mission in a way that fulfills your personal potential while also generating a longer lasting legacy and more value for all. So thanks for tuning in. I'm delighted you're here to listen. Now let's get fruitful with today's conversation. So my guest today is marketing consultant Luke Vassance. Luke has been in marketing for over six years, working in a number of different agencies and organisations, including the School of Marketing, where his role has developed from being one of the founding 50 to that of ambassador and more recently in March, becoming a tutor. This has given him the opportunity to shape and inspire the minds of the next generation of marketers. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that today. Luke studied for his master's degree in digital marketing at the University of Salford during the course of this global pandemic, which I think really shows his dedication to the marketing industry. And I'm feeling a little daunted today because Luke is also an experienced podcaster himself, having hosted the number one iTunes technology podcast earlier on in his career. Luke, it's great to have you here to talk with me today. Welcome. Hey, hey, hey. It's good to be here. It's good to be back in the world of podcasting. Indeed. I the feel like I'm a, a real veteran. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough to be one of the UK's first professional podcasters. So it was really? my, my full-time living, as it were, uh, a long time before podcasting became a sort of corporatized game in a lot of ways, unfortunately. But yeah. I'll go out of the politics of podcasting there. I've sort of... Uh, departed that world maybe I'll come back to it a little bit more later in that in my career yeah absolutely and I'd really like to hear a bit more about that today um because obviously you were an early adopter of the technology um and I'm sure have learned a lot from that and have some lessons to share but I'm going to kick off with the first question that I usually start with and I usually put this to most of my guests to start things off because the theme of these conversations is all around business as a force for good and I know that's something that you're really interested in and doing lots towards. So I want to start off by asking you, what does business as a force for good mean for you? You know, I've listened to quite a lot of these uh, podcasts that you've been putting out, and I've heard you ask this question on many an occasion. And uh, I think it's such a tricky question to truly get the answer to because you keep diving one layer deeper and deeper and deeper until you get to a point where you feel almost too pretentious to say what you're about to say. So, core to the notion of capitalism oh, <laughs> is the start. notion of, of, of mutually beneficial exchange. Yeah. And, and ultimately, it's a mutually beneficial exchange between two parties. Business for good uh, is merely expanding the parameters of who we consider within that exchange. It's how do we think about the impact that it has on third parties and not pretending that we're siloed off in some kind of way. 
we're kind of widening the number of people who win in any given transaction, whether that be from environmental or socioeconomic policy or anything along those lines, we're trying to expand it out. I would say generally as definition of business for good. Now, you know, it, it's doing good for everyone and not just our own interests, which is interesting because of course, businesses generally speaking are secular institutions. And in a way you have to introduce some type of morality if you will into a business when you start to think about is this good for the world of course the core issue with this thinking to the hardcore uh, capitalists of the world is you know uh, what if our competitors are willing to make those moral compromises uh to which i would say you know they're likely thinking the same about you and that's the reason that this <laughs> perpetual problem continues to happen where you know, we continue to throw barrels of oil into the sea. That's a hyperbole, uh, <laughs> but you know. Um, so if, if you don't show moral integrity in business uh, and you don't show moral integrity now, your competitors won't next time and in turn it builds this negative cycle of morality within business itself, you know. And, uh, I suppose my rebuttal to this idea of, you know, what if our competitors are willing to go faster than we are and what if it's in holding us back having these inhibitions about the morality of our business and the values of our business. I would say that, you know, cars go a lot quicker when they don't have brakes. Um, <laughs> and much the same, businesses seem to work a lot more efficiently if they don't have any value, values or, or, or morality. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you do come across a corner and you need to know who you are and how you stand and what your position in the world is. Uh, and so again, all of this coming back to sort of business is good. Um, I suppose another issue is, you know, people, a, a person is an immensely smart thing, I think. I, I see the positive in the world a lot of the time. But people as a collective tend to be not as clever as the sum of their parts. And they almost feel press ganged or, or uh, what's the word for it? We often use peer pressured into making uh, morally ambiguous decisions in business for the sake of what they see to be the end goal of the business, which is of course, enhancing the number of mutually beneficial exchanges that are happening and ultimately increasing the bottom line, which is money, right? Now you don't always, unfortunately, if you're in a, a very powerful position within the company, generally you get to make a lot of these decisions as to who you work with, how you work with them, what kinds of operations you perform. But as the businesses grow, of course, you have less and less control over that. Other people need to be making decisions on your behalf. And this is where the idea of organizational values comes in, right? Um, I'm yet to interface with many organizations, I, I'm, I'm, I think it's quite fortunate, that see the vision, mission, values uh, exercise that generally is done by marketing and branding departments uh, as much more uh, as more than just sort of a way of forming their messaging mm. and uh, I, I think that's quite an unfortunate thing because it means that a lot of the time reflected in that organization's actions are a lie relative to their values and I think that's why marketing generally is regarded as quite a low trust industry mm. uh, because we're the sort of propaganda face of uh, larger organizations sometimes yeah it's a shame because I have to say it turns that vision, mission, values into a, into a messaging exercise above all else. So, um, sorry, Anwin, I'm going to keep going forever. That's right. We've gone off. We've gone off <laughs> on a tangent slightly. But yeah, I'm really interested to hear. So, so that's your sort of uh, philosophical kind of overview of this subject, which I think is really, really fascinating. Um, 
but what how would you apply it to the work you're actually doing and you personally what what would yeah. you say you feel like your part is in that um yeah so the in terms of its manifestation in my own work what i say that that is 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 it means working with only the organizations that i feel uh i don't feel morally compromised to work with and i think that SMEs would do well to think about the world in this way and look through it in that lens. Do you feel morally compromised to be working with certain organizations? Uh, you know, if you were somebody who had a particularly, um, uh, let's say you had a particular bias towards not liking gambling institutions, you need to be thinking when they offer you a lot of money, am I willing to walk away from that money? in order to uh, maintain my moral integrity, as it were. And that's that's a question you have to ask yourself at all levels when you're trying to operate a business for the purposes of good, right? And on a larger scale, so this beyond me, you know, large organizations, corporations need to be holding each other to account uh, via potentially government lobbying and all that kind of stuff, but we won't get too political with, with how that should operate. <laughs> we'll leave that to somebody else to sort out. Yeah, and also uh, <clears throat> something worth keeping in mind on an individual level is that we have an immense amount of, of power um, as people who work, uh, if you're somebody who works on the technician front, the, 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 the dead surface of it, the real wealth generation in terms of doing the work, doing the graft, you have an immense amount of power over the people who are hierarchically are above you within your organization. Um, and you need to be able to say to those people, you know, I'm, I'm willing to walk away if this moral compromise needs to be made. So we'll, we'll get into how uh, my philosophy on that sort of works as we go along. Uh, but but I, I would also say that this is perhaps something quite unique to millennials. Um, and, you know, I'm not just blowing the millennial trumpet here. I, I honestly believe this. You know, when I came into my career in marketing, I have as many years experience you could possibly have on the platforms that are at the forefront of what we do. Mm. You know, I was basically from the day one of Facebook ads existing, I was there. From day one of LinkedIn ads existing, I was there. From day one of these, uh, you know, podcasts being a thing that you could actually use and uh, in a positive way, I was there. And that's the same with many people of my generation. And it actually puts us in some ways intimidatingly skills wise above some people who are maybe a little bit older than us who had to catch up with us who had to come through the corporate route and the corporates were a lot slower than the sort of individuals who were against this to begin with or, or working with it to begin with mm. uh, so we have an immense amount of power and in turn we have an immense amount of responsibility to make sure we don't give our skills willingly to things that compromise the good of society yeah, How's that for potential? Potential. Like <laughs> who was it who said, with great power comes great responsibility? I believe that's Uncle Ben from Spider-Man. Really? <laughs> no. Well, that's what comes to mind. But yeah, interesting going back to what you said at the start about uh, cars not having brakes allows them to go faster, but actually, obviously, we need brakes for our safety. And yes. uh, how in business, you know, if we don't have those sort of checks and balances um to keep us safe yes we can have potentially sort of very fast business growth and sort of exponential growth but actually at what cost um and we do we do need checks and balances to 
keep everything safe for everybody. You know, it's, it's not worth being a billionaire in a world that's on fire. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> so I'm going to go on to uh, my next question, which is to ask you to share a little bit more about your journey to this point in your career. Um, obviously, I gave a little introduction where I talked about uh, some of your experiences along the way and um, the studying that you've been doing recently, uh, the roles that you're you're kind of doing at the moment but this is your opportunity now to sort of fill in any blanks anything I missed out or add to that um, and yeah tell us what what have you learned along the way what have been your your biggest lessons well as as you well know Anwin one of my favorite subject matters of all time is myself uh, second of course to marketing so I can speak about marketing and myself until the cows come home uh, but a little bit of background uh, let's just do it on a bit of a linear timeline really about my career so I started off uh, leaving school I started off as a semi-professional sort of punk musician uh, I, I put together many uh, shows and tours and all kinds of stuff with, with, with bands uh, along these lines and a lot of people you know they fail to appreciate this was a really important time in my career and for many people in that uh, environment because when you're in a band at a young age and specifically for us you know I had to learn community management social media uh, I had to learn you know how to code because my space is what I'm sure developers would tell me off using the word code for html but we had to learn html for the sake of having a good looking myspace profile i had to learn how to manage and motivate people without money uh, you know how can i get six teenage boys to organize themselves into a van and go, <laughs> go play some shows for the sake of it uh, you know and also learning how the social media ads platforms work at a very early stage so this is you know straight out of school i was immediately thinking constantly about promoting things bringing people to events uh building websites using social media community management uh, and motivation really, really and great people. kind of experience really exactly so, um, so I was like very... you say, when you put it in that in that context like probably a lot of people look at it and just go oh, you're just messing about you're just having fun exactly um, you know it could be seen in that light but actually a really valuable learning experience as well I would say it's almost the most valuable on my yeah, CV absolutely. and the, the least appreciated in some ways. Yeah. So uh, after that came to a sort of close and I, I sort of went, okay, well, I achieved, for me, it's, it was a successful endeavor. I achieved what I wanted to achieve within that space and I was very happy with it and I was happy to walk away. I started working in radio because uh, famously uh, I didn't do very well in school. Uh, <laughs> I started working in radio because I, I knew how to audio engineer and, and not, not, not a lot else really. I could organize events and live events. So I worked in radio. And that gave me good experience of working with, you know, ad bookers and bringing people in and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we started professionally podcasting. So uh, I started podcasting with uh, a couple of guys over in Deal. Uh, shout out Deal Town and Kent, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and we started doing a technology podcast. And the, the basic premise of it was that I'm a bit ignorant as to how technology works. As a, as a young person, I, I didn't really know how it worked, but I had a lot of strong opinions. Uh, so it was fun to exercise with somebody who understood it quite well, which was my, my friend Cameron, uh, that I could ask all of these really hard questions and he could try and find an answer and we could try and keep up with the news in it and all that kind of stuff. And it became, you know, quite a success podcasting wise. You know, you can see on my LinkedIn profile, we had the top nine of ten spaces to to win and we only lost one of those spaces to wired who had a documentary about stephen hawking 
on their podcast yeah. kind of thing so so we, we were only losing by that one kind of thing and they had something really important so it felt like a really big thing at the time we started doing a lot of community management via the reddit uh, and we wanted to try and crowdsource we became fascinated with the idea of crowdsourcing people's time as opposed to money so we started to try and get into these endeavors to do with uh, 3d printing of prosthetic limbs all this kind of stuff eventually <coughs> Cameron, uh, the uh, co-presenter of this podcast, was uh, sort of pinched uh, <laughs> uh, to, to go and continue this project. And I myself didn't want to continue that project. So I sort of decided, OK, well, I'm good at this social media side of things. I'll get into social media professionally, moved to London, started working in social media. Uh, I started taking studying seriously. I took a, a home study to degree level. Um, and then I started learning about SEO and the wider digital marketing world and how it all began to click together. Uh, and then eventually I, I joined an agency over in Canterbury. Uh, during that time, I began uh, to home study a master's degree uh, in digital marketing uh, whilst building a series of sort of side businesses, including a, a mustache wax brand. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out my mustache wax brand. Um, which allowed me to build up sort of adequate resources to say, okay, well, ditch the job, start my own consultancy, as it were. Uh, and it gave me that buffer. And, you know, since then, uh, I've been doing that for about one and a half years at this point. Finished up my master's degree, entirely home study, because uh, like I say, it's from the University of Salford accredited. Um, but I had to do it all entirely by myself because I don't have the time to go to a university or anything like that. So I home studied the whole thing. Um, and then, yeah, I've got my master's degree and now we are where we are. And I'm, I'm working very hard towards uh, the consultancy side of things I'm doing. But also the most exciting side of things is the School of Marketing, Yay. which I sort of got involved with about three years ago. And I absolutely adore. It's a project that we are helping so many people, uh, you know, get into marketing help them get their start on the career ladder and really make some changes to the industry overall. So um, I'll speak a little bit about that. You know, uh, 2018 Marketing Week put out a study that said uh, 10,000 young people they had um, surveyed and only 3% of them considered a career in marketing. Nice. At the same time, we have a skills crisis in marketing. Mm. And also we have a low esteem of the career and the industry itself. Mm. Uh, so we have a bit of a, a, a terrible pipeline of talent coming into, not that the people in the pipeline are terrible, I'm saying the pipeline <laughs> itself is terrible, I want to be clear yeah. on that. Um, you know, uh, we've we got a bit of a bad pipeline in terms Lots of how of we people. get people into this industry. Um, so we really wanted to address a series of issues, including uh, socioeconomic diversity issues, you know, uh, the issue of the esteem of marketing itself. Um, just the uh, knowledge and awareness of what marketing itself is. And over time, it's adapted and developed over the last three years from being this program where we were, you know, how do we get this out there? Do we go and talk to schools, key stage three, become this sort of career ambassadors? And then we sort of moved it into this apprenticeship space where we're now providing uh, level three and above uh, apprentices, apprentices to organizations, including, you know, uh, Unilever and all kinds of other corporate uh, partners. On top of that, we also have uh, a really awesome program called Mentoring Gen Z, which is now the largest mentoring program in marketing, uh, I'm very proud to say. Um, and we bring in industry experts from all around the industry uh, and we get them to spread their expertise in much the same way uh, 
I, I'm hoping to impart here, yeah, uh, but yeah. perhaps with people with a little bit of a um, higher standing than myself. Oh. <laughs> so, so, yeah, some of the leading lights in the industry. Exactly. Yeah. And then at the same time, you know, I'm from my point of view, I'm lecturing with the School of Marketing and uh, doing everything I can to blow that particular trumpet and keep that fire alive. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's a fantastic uh, cause to be part of. And I think you're doing some great work with them. And it's a really interesting mission that they're on. Um, it is right. I mean, yeah, what, even right so down much to needed, as you say, it, it's so much needed. And even right down to, uh, you know, when I was doing my master's degree, I, uh, I my thesis is about how to make marketing careers more appealing. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and I really gave it a lot of thought. I, I looked into the motivations and characteristics of people within the existing industry and the motivations and characteristics of people from all different backgrounds and how organizations, specifically academic institutions, frame a career in marketing and how that mm. misaligns in a lot of ways with what the motivations and values of the individuals who were perspectives uh, for the industry, um, how it misaligns rather, yeah. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. Well, I feel like we could talk about this much more, but I'm going to move on to my next question. <laughs> Please. Um, or, or I'm going to ask you one quick follow-up question from, from that, um, from all of your experience to date. Uh, all the roles that you've done, all the studying, um, what would you say your biggest lessons learned from that journey? Um, that's a really, really big question. I mean, the biggest lessons learned, I would say really, how do I, how do I frame this? You, you've got to put in the hard work at the absolute fundamentals of what you're doing in order to become good at it. And that sounds like such a, uh, a vacant answer in some ways, but I think a lot of people, they want to skip learning mm. the technical of, you know, it might be that you're in SEO. It might be that you're in, you know, uh, creative and you want to skip the sort of psychology of things. It might be that you're in PPC and you don't really want to have to sit there and learn Google ad scripts and it might be and people rush to get into this sort of managerial level because mm. they feel it holds some kind of uh, power but it doesn't the real power is in the ability to affect change on these technicalities on these platforms on these messaging um, and, and as soon as you can learn that I think you're better off um, you're, you're, you're better off as a marketer but you're also better off in your own uh, ability to step away from perhaps organizations that you don't want to be in to dictate where the power of your skills goes and, you know if you're a skilled individual you're worth a lot to these organizations so that's it i would say hone in the skills that are generally considered you know bottom of the line yeah and once you've got those really back them up with you know that higher level stuff like the master's degree and whatnot i don't think it's necessary to uh uh go down that conventional route of, you know, you go to university, then you do this, and then you go into the entry-level career. I think you're much better off putting your hands on the technical, you know, how do I get this to work? You know, I would be Just more impressed with in. somebody with a really impressive Instagram profile yeah, than I would I be with somebody with a, a degree in how to make an impressive Instagram profile. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's important to understand the theory, um, but yeah to have sort of provable results where you can sort of demonstrate i've done this and you know how to do that is much more powerful and valuable exactly um, execution over everything yeah and interesting what you say about maybe younger people today wanting to sort of fast track um and jump over some of those early stage 
fundamentals. Um, it reminds me of a conversation that I had with somebody, or two conversations, somebody said the other day, the world is actually run by people in their 20s. <laughs> and when you get to your 30s, maybe you kind of get into a managerial position. And then the world is actually owned by people sort of later in life, that they're the people who, who own the, the wealth quite often in the businesses. But actually the day-to-day -day running of things is quite often people who are younger and at the earlier stages of their career. Um, and they are making the changes and having that really powerful effect day-to-day -day on how things are run. Um, and then another conversation I had with somebody about at what stage do you become an expert? Mm. You know, when, when can you say you're an expert in something? And I can't remember who it was, but somebody came up with this calculation that it takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert, which right, I worked yeah. out was roughly uh, the equivalent of working full time in a job for, I think it's six or seven years. So I think well, that's, that's really interesting that kind of people go through that uh yeah early stage of their career you know your first job your second job even your third job you're learning so much stuff about how to make things happen day to day and then sometimes yeah. around that point you might get into more of a managerial position um, so, so that, that, that's a really interesting point so um i think uh, the first time i came across the ten thousand hour rule and i know he got it from somewhere else was in uh, malcolm gladwell's book Outlines. i was gonna say i think yeah malcolm gladwell came up with it um, but but I, I would add something to that in that it's purposeful practice. Mm. Um, so to become, and it's not really to become an expert, it's to become very proficient, right? Yeah. You can you become an expert in something. Yeah, you can become an expert in something if the field is very small very quickly, right? Um, there's a, a lady called Simone Gertz. I can't quite remember her name, I'm afraid. She builds, I believe she calls them crappy robots. Uh, I heard a quote from her that was really great, uh, and I think she might have even been quoting someone else. So this is third-party information at this point, uh, you know, uh, third-degree information at this point. But she said something that really struck me, and it was, "If you want to become, um, if you want to become the leader in your field very quickly, pick a tiny field." Mm. <laughs> yeah, same with marketing, isn't it? If you if you want to dominate your market, pick a small market. Yeah. You know, niche and become known as the go-to for that market yeah right i'm going to move on um i'm really interested to hear what has motivated you what has inspired you to this point and, and what kind of motivates you and inspires you on a daily basis um the spirit like, why punk, do you do what you do <laughs> the spirit of punk uh, and i mean that from the very bottom of my heart uh, since I was 13, when I sort of discovered punk music, uh, it, it changed my life. It changed the way I looked at everything. Uh, and it, it continues to change my life and inspire me now. And, and what I mean by that is that there's something in punk music, in punk culture, that is, I'm not very good at this, but I'm going to give it a real go. You know, it's like, I can play four chords and so I'm going to write an album. Like, you know, it's the spirit of taking even the smallest thing you've got and turning it into the most powerful thing you can use, you know, and it, it really is that for me. I, I think to myself constantly, how am I taking the humble abilities that I have and using that for maximum 
efficiency and mm. you know part of that is the school of marketing in my mind is a very punk organization and i know it doesn't sound it right but but it is it's it's we've got this uh well, that's leader. startup culture isn't it exactly what startup culture and punk yeah. culture it's intertwined yeah, we've got this leader true. richie and maybe he wouldn't see himself as a punk uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got this leader richie and in my mind he's just this incredible guy who has spotted this thing in the world that he would like to change and he's done everything in his power to go in that right direction so i would say it's always been the spirit of punk but in the last three years and i'm you know love him to death and actually i'm hoping he doesn't see this back <laughs> but it's been richie richie's been a real inspiration to me and uh i just think if we can get what it is that richie's got in his soul in terms of pushing out uh this thing to help people get into careers to help people uh with their marketing all kinds of things like that i i think we'd be in a, a much better position so i, I I'm, I'm in the cult of richie meta at the moment oh he sounds great i hope to be able to meet with him at some point in the future um but yeah really enjoyed hearing you talk about that um it reminded me of a documentary that i saw a little while ago i don't know if you've seen it i can't remember what it was called or where i saw it i think it might have been on bbc iplayer possibly mm -hmm. Um, and it was all about uh, punk culture and how it had inspired people. And they had some famous people talking about uh, the impact on their own lives and careers. Um, uh, Chris Packham springs to mind. You know, Chris Packham, the wildlife uh, documentary maker and photographer. And he's. And I'll be honest with you, I don't own a TV, so I'm a bit in the oh, blue yeah. about documentaries and whatnot. You can watch it on your laptop, obviously. Oh, yeah, um, of course I could. I guess I could. a license. I think you have to have a license. But yeah, no, that was a really, really interesting programme that I enjoyed. Uh, thank you. So we're going to wrap up shortly and I will invite you to share your contact details if people want to get in touch or follow up. Um, before, before we do, my penultimate question to you is about the future and where do you see that going for you, for business? for marketing kind of what what are your plans and uh, how would you like to be using your time and skills to do more business for good i think you, you, you you've given me this question at a time of tremendous change for myself personally uh, I, I think up until very recently, my mind was on the path of expanding out what I was doing and starting up an agency and, and pushing out into this forum. But the more I've spoken to people, various you know uh, people that I would consider mentors and all kinds of things, the more I've been thinking to myself, I think I'm very happy with how this has gone. And I don't think that I necessarily want to find myself in a position where I have to manage lots of people. So I don't know what the future of my consultancy is. That being said, I know what my future is right now. And that is I'm going to put all of my energy and all of my time resources and everything that I possibly can into getting the School of Marketing into the best, best position it can be in and uh, really helping people's futures, really helping people's careers. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully inspiring uh, a generation of highly proficient uh, marketers with the skills uh, that the industry currently lacks on the uh, technical front of it all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that you're going to do a fantastic job at that. 
and I fully support you in your endeavours. So yeah, look forward to seeing how things move forward for you. Um, and before we go, please do share your contact details and um, whatever ways people can use to get in touch with you if they want to find out more. I'll keep it succinct and coherent. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Luke Besant, uh, B-E-S-A-N-T. And uh, connect with me. We'll have a conversation, maybe a cup of tea, and uh, <laughs> see how things go. Brilliant. And if people want to find out more about the School of Marketing, where should they go for that? Love them too. Uh, schoolofmarketing.co. Brilliant. Thank you. And one last plug for people who would like to meet Luke face to face and have a bit more of a conversation and learn more from his journey. Um, we are excited that Luke's going to be speaking at the next Get Fruitful Thanks Brunch event, which is going to be on Tuesday, 25th of January in 2022. Oh my goodness. Um, so this is an event that we have just started this year for anyone who is in their first job in marketing. So that could be somebody on the Kickstart scheme, which is this government funded uh, job placement program. It could be somebody who is doing a marketing apprenticeship. It could just be, yeah, like I say, somebody in, in the first job in marketing who would like to connect with other people who are also in that early stage of their career. Um, and basically we say it's to connect with people, to share experiences and learnings and build a supportive network around you basically and each month we will be meeting and we might be doing the next one on zoom not sure yet what what the uh, restrictions will be around meeting in person if we are allowed to meet up it will be at the business terrace in maidstone town center um, we provide a brunch for everybody who attends and also for everybody who attends we make a charitable donation uh, to a fantastic project who give meals to survivors of gender-based violence so that's another reason for coming uh so yeah luke is going to speak at that event and share a bit more about his journey so thanks for listening and uh speak to you again soon and merry christmas oh yeah merry christmas <laughs> <laughs>